are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on foxsports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESBM 1067 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Fun fact, it's actually hour number two. Special edition of On the Line airing on ESPN 1067. Already one hour of the books. We're just now picking up on Fox Sports Central Alabama for our normal two hours of the show. I think we just need to call today on the line time warp. <laughs> there we go. And everybody on Fox Sports Central Alabama, if you missed welcome. the first hour of the show, welcome. Glad you're here. It was it was a, it was a secret to everybody that wasn't listening to ESPN 106.7. <laughs> You'll never know what we <laughs> talked about. Welcome to the club. Yeah. Well, let's start off hour number two of the Friday edition of the show, breaking down the position group matchups between Auburn and South Carolina as we do every single Friday for Auburn football's next opponent. We're going to take a look at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, O-line, tight end here in this segment. And basically, this is how it works. We look at the two quarterbacks, which one's better. We say which team's got the edge in that category. And after we've looked at the entire team, we will give our broad synopsis of the matchup and tell you who we think all of these position matchups favor and why we think that team will end up winning the ball game. We'll also have Saturday selections here on the show today, picking all of the great games happening on Saturday, as well as we will speak in hour number two with Eric Speakman, Opelika football head coach, and Scott Bagwell, Auburn High Sports Network play-by-play announcer, as there's some big high school football on tonight. If your team's not playing, we're sorry, but Auburn and Opelika, they're still playing, and it is big game time. Absolutely, and Auburn taking on Central uh, in, a, in, a, in a playoff matchup tonight. Really, really hope that Auburn is able to. Uh, did, did, didn't they lose to Central earlier in the year? They it did, twenty-one to seven. Yeah, I really hope they're able to find some offense in this game. And Opelika's been on a roll for quite some time. I actually think the last game they may have lost was the Central game back in a non-region game in like week six, back when everybody's playing non-region opponents. That was their last non-region game, and I also think that was their last loss as they won the region championship. They were undefeated in their region, and now they're playing Hueytown tonight, an 11-1 team that plays basketball on grass. Seriously, they beat a team 75-55 to this year. On grass? Basketball on grass. Wow. I didn't even know You've that. never heard that term before? I, I've heard the term, I, I, but it, it, it sounds weird thinking about it. and just A football team beat another football team 75-55. to 55. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, I was, I was taking it literally. I, I'm, I'm an idiot. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you thought they really I played was, basketball I was on try- grass? I, knew, I understood the phrase. I was just like confused for a second because I checked out because I was reading something else. I'm stupid. I'm, <laughs> I'm an idiot. You asked me, I was like, don't you know the phrase? I'm like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I know what the phrase means, but I'm still going to stick with the narrative I've created in my mind, which is they played basketball on grass. That is not the wildest score that I've seen. I've seen in high school football, I think there's a school in northern Alabama called American Christian. I may be wrong on that, but I remember a team from north Alabama over the last couple of seasons scored like 
80-something points on somebody, and they gave up like 40 or 50 points. I was like, what is going on? That must have been the funnest game to call. Yeah, and there was actually a basketball on grass game down in uh, in Gainesville just a week or so ago whenever Florida played Samford 70-52. to 52. That's so true. That's so true. I was, man... I, and I think that definitely factors into what we're t- what we will be talking about today, Auburn and South Carolina. I think a lot of people will point fingers at well, Auburn just gave forty unanswered points up to uh, Mississippi State, and also South Carolina beat Florida. But if you really dive into things that happened outside of that game, those two games, uh, it's not all about those two results. I don't think. Well, let's get into breaking down the position group matchups here between Auburn and South Carolina. We will start at the quarterback position. One team is on their second string quarterback. One team is on their third string quarterback. Who do you give the edge to, T.J. Finley or Jason Brown? It's T.J. Finley. It's T.J. Finley, and I don't want to say it's not even close, but I do think that T.J. Finley does hold a relatively significant edge over uh, over Jason Brown. T.J. Finley only completing about half of his passes uh, on average this season he's thrown two touchdowns no picks he's gotten to see limited time like we all know he led that game winning touchdown drive against Georgia State earlier in the year the other touchdown pass I believe to, was to Malcolm Johnson Jr. in the Alabama State game uh, whenever uh, whenever time was winding down there and I think that you don't necessarily need to look at the numbers that he's put up this season I think you need to look at the numbers that he put up last season and last year really efficient against South Carolina through two touchdowns had an interse- interception that was just that was not necessarily on him or the receiver it was just simply a miscommunication I went back and watched that game this uh, this week it was supposed to be a back shoulder throw but the receiver kept running a go and the defensive back just came up and made a play on the ball so the other two touchdowns that he threw were actually were actually pretty nice. One was in a tight window, and it was very similar to the Keishon Butte uh, touchdown catch against Mississippi State earlier this year, if anybody knows what I'm referring to, where he essentially caught it on a slant, broke a tackle, and took it to the house, fitted in a tight window. And I can't remember what the other touchdown pass was, but point being, he was like 22 of 27. Really efficient day against the Gamecocks last year. I know that this is a grittier team, the Gamecocks are, than they were just a season ago. But I would like to believe that T.J. Finley, with the with the way Auburn's receivers are playing right now, I think he has the edge over, over Jason Brown. And then also you look on the South Carolina side, just outside of him offensively, I don't know if they have the skill position players. Even though Auburn's receivers are not very good, I don't think South Carolina has the skill position players to keep up with the Tigers. This does factor into the matchup, but I do like to take quarterbacks out of their situations because a lot of their play, you can glean things that are independent of the guys around them. But the truth is, T.J. Finley gets to play with Auburn's skill position players, Auburn's offensive line, Auburn's running backs, and Jason Brown has to play with South Carolina's wide receivers, South Carolina's offensive line, South Carolina's running backs, which this season have been a lot worse than Auburn's. South Carolina's skill position players and their offensive line's a lot worse than Auburn's. Now, if you put Jason Brown in Auburn's offense – and Jason Brown's a lot more experienced. That's a place where he has more edge, more experience on T.J. Finley. He's been playing college football for a really long time. He's a graduate transfer as well from St. Francis. So he's been playing college football for a long time, and he was pretty successful at the FCS level. That's why he's at South Carolina. That's why he's at an SEC school. But 
You also know from watching him that he's not that good at this level. Mm-hmm. But how would T.J. Finley perform in South Carolina's offense this year? Would he do better than Jason Brown? I don't necessarily know that he would because of just the inefficiencies that they have. I will say, though, they've got Josh Van, who is a uh, who is a senior for South Carolina, had 100 yards receiving plus against Georgia earlier this year. He's got 593 on the year. He is the only guy I would look at outside of uh, of maybe uh, Kevin Harris as being a legitimate problem in this game. Maybe Zaquandre White as well. But Josh Van and Kevin Harris are the two guys that I'm looking at that I'm like, man, those skill position players are talented. But again, still, I just don't think they're on the level as Auburn's. If you have your Josh Van and you don't have anybody else, as opposed to Auburn having Kobe Hudson and then two or three other guys outside of him. And oh, and also they have two or three tight ends they could throw to as well. It's just I think there's a lot more depth for Auburn. And while there may be experience at the quarterback position, at the running back position, and even with Josh Van, who's a senior, it does not match up, I don't think, against the Tigers well. And you can't take these two quarterbacks out of their situation because the reality of it is Jason Brown is going to suit up in a South Carolina Gamecocks yep. uniform, and T.J. Finley is going to suit up in an Auburn uniform. And I was just playing devil's advocate with you. I believe T.J. Finley has more tools. Yep. He's got a bigger arm. I think he's more mobile than Jason Brown. Not by much, of course, but I do think he has the ability if he can get out of the pocket. The trouble for Finley's getting out of the pocket. Once he's out of the pocket, I like him as a runner. He's bigger than anybody that's going to come and try and tackle him other than defensive linemen, and that's going to make it really hard to tackle him. We saw him out in space in the Georgia State game make some plays with his legs. He had a nice little juke move out in open field. I think once he can get out of the pocket – He's effective. The issue is it's hard to get him out of the pocket because there's not a whole lot of movement in those hips and there's not a whole lot of acceleration there. There is one speed and it's not fast. It's slow, but once you get it out into space, momentum, that's a real thing. And it's hard to stop when someone's that big. Exactly. Yeah, and I I don't want to completely discredit T.J. Finley as a runner because he did have some interesting moments against against Georgia State late where he was able to to have a couple of scrambles. Made a guy miss, I believe, on on one of those those scrambles. So he's sneaky. I wouldn't necessarily say he's like really sneaky athletic, but he can put a move on somebody in the open field if he needs to. It's just not going to be the fastest. Well, T.J. Finley as a rusher is different to me than T.J. Finley as a scrambler. T.J. Finley will not be able to extend the play like Bonex does. Yeah. If the pocket breaks down, it's going to be a sack. It could be an interception. It could be a fumble like it was this past weekend. The pocket, if it breaks down, T.J. Finley is going to be a sitting duck. He may be big, but we have seen time and time again this year when he has played, if the pocket has broken down, it's going to be tough for him to get out of it to extend the play. The play is going to end soon if the pocket collapses. Now, it may end in a positive way, like it did in the Georgia State game with the throw to Shedra Jackson, but he didn't get out of the pocket. He ran backwards, guys. When the pocket collapses, it's going to come to an end in the next two or three seconds, and he's not getting out of it. But I do think, and I don't know if they're going to do this, but I also don't think that it's going to leave the offense because it has been installed, and I'm sure they've been practicing this, I think they could still run some of the read option packages, and if they get inside the four-yard line, three-yard line, I wouldn't be shocked if they let them carry the football. Why would you not want someone who's 6'7", 265 pounds? Because once again, I go back to momentum is very difficult to stop, and the larger that you are, the more momentum that you've got. So I think 
Auburn still might go to some of that. The issue has been getting him out of the pocket on pass plays, but if it's a designed run on a read option or a quarterback draw, all of a sudden that becomes a whole lot easier to get him moving forward and out of the backfield. I think that's something that Auburn fans really don't want to see out of T.J. Finley this Saturday is a similar performance to what he had in the Auburn game when there was pressure in the pocket. He was making bad decisions. He was turning the ball over. He was fumbling. We do not want to see if the pocket does begin to collapse. We either want to see him get rid of the ball or we want to see him take a sack. I really don't want to see him trying to do Bo Nix things in this game because he is not Bo Nix. I'm very afraid of what TJ Finley uh, looks like in a pressure situation if if he is he, if he is electing to try and say, well, let me see if I can make a play out of this real quick. It's going to lead to a turnover, like you said, or it's going to lead to a sack or something like that because you mentioned you, you said it perfectly. He's a sitting duck in the pocket. He's just too big and you can't accelerate that quickly nor does he have a whole lot of agility and movement in his hips to be able to do what Bo does and that's okay he's six foot seven 260 pounds you know like that is a benefit in itself that's something that Bo Nix doesn't have that gives TJ Finley some advantages Mm -hmm. he's going to be able to see over the line a little bit better than Bo did He's got a big arm, a big cannon. Now, if he could channel that into some accuracy, I think T.J. Finley has all the tools to be successful. The thing is, those tools have to now link up with the mental side of the game that typically freshman quarterbacks, even second-year quarterbacks like he is, and I want to say that he is a freshman quarterback because he has moved systems. He's gone from the LSU system, which is – Not saying that this system isn't quarterback-friendly because I think it is quarterback-friendly, but you went from the LSU system that was predicated on RPOs and slants to this system that puts a lot more responsibility in the pre-snap and once the play runs, it puts a lot more responsibility on the quarterback to go through his progressions, whereas the LSU system isn't as progression-based. It's more of a one-read type of system for a quarterback. There's a lot more responsibility on his shoulders here, which means there could be better options for him at receiver. It's going to help his receivers get open, but likewise, it also provides the opportunity for him to make more mistakes. And so that's something that I think we really need to make sure everybody knows. This is very important for this weekend. His, it's not necessarily what he's doing physically. It's what he's doing mentally. Can yes. he get through his progressions quick enough to make the right decision before the pocket does eventually collapse? Because as we just stated, if it does, he's probably not going anywhere. So it's the mental aspect, I think, for TJ Finley. How quickly can he get a grasp of this system playing an entire 60 minutes? And how quickly can he make these reads that this offense is going to have to ask him to make? Or, I think... This is also something that you could talk about. Is Auburn's offense going to elect to make the system that complicated for a guy making his first start for Auburn on the road? How do they simplify things? Well, when we've seen him play this year, the offense, to me, I don't think the passing game's changed that much. No, it hasn't. A lot of the concepts are still similar to what we saw with Bo Nix, and I don't think it should change. I don't want to see training wheels on TJ Finley tomorrow. I want to know what this guy's got, and I think this coaching staff can learn a lot tomorrow. Sure, it's against South Carolina, but as you pointed out, it's not about the physical. They know what he can do with his arm. They know the potential there. Quarterbacks get drafted on being T.J. Finley's size. Josh Allen 
wasn't overly impressive against the Power 5 teams that appeared on his Wyoming schedule, but teams drafted him on the potential that this dude's huge and he's got a cannon. Yep. TJ Finley has the physicals. We know that. That's a given. The question is, can that all of a sudden be linked to the mental side of playing quarterback and the visual side of playing quarterback being able to go through your progressions? And I know you were saying, and I've said this too, going through them quick enough, not being too slow, but I also think there's something to be said about going too quickly. We've seen Bo Nix at times this year, I think, go through his progressions just a tad bit too quick because that internal clock is going off because you're afraid that you're about to get leveled, right? There has to be a level of comfortability in the pocket for TJ Finley to take it at the appropriate pace. You can't go too quick. You You can't go too slow. Chemistry has to be established between him and these receivers. I don't know if it is going to be established between him and these receivers because obviously this is his first start in an armored uniform, but these are all factors that if tomorrow doesn't go amazing for TJ Finley, don't all of a sudden think, oh, this guy's going to stink. Because on the flip side, things went amazing for Jeremy Johnson the first time that he stepped out in an Auburn uniform. And then look at what happened there yep. when he actually stepped in as a starter. So you can't make conclusions about TJ Finley after this game against South Carolina because he's still developing as a quarterback he's still incredibly young and there's the mental side of playing quarterback that people don't grasp when they're watching them play he's got the talent now if he doesn't look great and he struggles in the mental side of this and the visual side of it that's clearly an area that he's got to get better at if he's ever going to start at Auburn yeah we just now know that there's a starting point and now it's about improving that I don't think that you can write him off if he plays poorly or struggles in that area, we just now know that's where he needs to improve at. That's why I don't want any training wheels on him because I want to know where he stands. I also, I think that you made a really good point there about Bo Nix going through reads just a little bit too quickly. There have been times this season where if you go back and you watch the tape, he will come off of his first read way too quick. And by the time he's thinking about throwing to another guy, that first read is he's open. open. So it's it's uh it's not necessarily saying oh I want you to stare down your first guy until he eventually comes open it's just it's there there certainly is a timing aspect and uh, of the mental side of things and I'm and obviously it's very difficult to ask your backup quarterback to do it better than the the starter can but I'm just saying that's what you're going to need out of him is just good mental decisions and that also going with what you're saying about going too quick on your progressions that in itself is a misread of coverage. Everybody talks about misreads of coverage when you throw into traffic. And it's like, oh, you thought that guy was going to be open. You clearly misread the coverage. But I also think there's an element of misreading coverage when you leave your first read too quickly because you didn't recognize that your receiver, based on his route, was going to be open versus the coverage that you were facing there. That in itself, that's like... You know, sin of commission versus sin of omission, right? Mm-hmm. That that he omitted to throw the football to the right guy there. Yep. So that's where I take some things this year when I've watched Bo Nix is that's an area that I think he can improve on vastly going into his senior season when he comes back, if he does come back, because there have been times this year where his internal clock has still been sped up. But all in all this year, I think Bo has been phenomenal at least in comparison to his first two seasons, 
at being able to read a defense and go through it. Yep. There has been drastic improvement in that area. Still needs to have a lot of improvement in that area. He's not done, and he's not where he needs to be at just yet, but it is a lot better than where it was. I completely agree. And when you look at Knicks coming back potentially next season – if Finley does play well over the course of these final three games, I think that it's a very healthy thing because one way or another, I think we're going to start a quarterback that is making better mental decisions because Knicks has had the opportunity to do it for, at that point, what will be almost four years. Finley will have been in college ball for three years. It's You're, you're, you're getting a better product next season, I think, regardless. So just really hoping that we see some progression from TJ Finley this weekend and for the last couple of games to come. There's been a lot of time talking about quarterback there, but that was fun. I really enjoyed breaking that down. When we come back, we'll break down the other offensive position group matchups between Auburn and South Carolina. So far, we give the edge to quarterback to Auburn over South Carolina. I'm not going to go so far as to say that it's by a lot. Yeah, that's not what I was saying earlier. I'm just saying that I do think Finley's ceiling is higher. Something that you mentioned is Jason Brown's been playing the game for six years. So Yeah, what you got with Jason Brown... That's what you got. What you've seen, that's what you got. TJ Finley, I, I'm with you. There is a ceiling there, and a lot, and it's a lot higher, and it's because of the physical tools that he's got. Now you got to link it up with the mental side of playing quarterback, which is going to be hard for a freshman, but I've got confidence in this coaching staff to be able to pull him along. And I know we didn't get a great look at him against Mississippi State, but likewise, you you go back into the past against Georgia State. There were some positive things. I think he did a couple of good things well in the LSU drive that he got. I'm curious to see how far he has come since we got the most sample size that we've gotten from him this season, which was earlier in the year in the first half of the season. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll break down those other position group matchups on the offensive side of the football. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw at ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Talking about Auburn's position group matchup with South Carolina running backs. Running backs, I think that South Carolina does have I would ne- not necessarily say a stable in the the aspect that it is a solid stable of running backs. They just use a bunch of different guys. Like you mentioned, Kevin Harris has been getting the majority of the carries for the Gamecocks so far this season. He's got 100 carries on the year, 411 yards, three touchdowns. But Saquandre White leads the team in total yardage, 462 yards, two touchdowns. They also use the freshman Marshawn Lloyd and then Juju McDowell as well. He is a freshman they, uh, they've just kind of looked to a few different guys to, to run the bo- football for them. I believe it was mainly the reason was because Kevin Harris was injured to begin the year, and they were just trying to figure out, okay, who are the guys that we have on roster, and they were trying to run them just a little bit. Zaquandre White, elusive back here, has the best pro football focus rushing grade or runner grade, according to pro football focus, which is actually at an 84.2, which is pretty darn good. He is a 72.3 receiving grade, an elusive rating of 165.6. So take that for what you will. The guy can move. I think that this backfield has some good dudes, but nobody as good as Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. But likewise, the result of these two backfields kind of has been the same 
of the last little bit. Like, is Auburn producing out of their backfield that much better where it really makes a difference in the result of a ball game based off of what the running backs are giving you? I don't think so. I don't think so, no. Like, they may have a higher yards per carry, but in the way that the development of the game has gone, has Auburn's backfield really played a sufficient role in helping Auburn win games? Especially not in SEC play, no. And, and, and to be honest with you, you may like you just like you just mentioned. You look at the numbers, and it's like, oh, well, they've gotten some rushing yards this season. But if you actually go and watch what they're doing in conference play, it has been—I don't want to say abysmal, but it's been close to. to it's not Auburn bad. standards. No, absolutely not. So Tank Bigsby, although he has almost 800 rushing yards so far this season, he's not performed to the level that a lot of people thought he would. And I'm very thankful that Jarquez Hunter exists because if he didn't, Sean Shivers would be the backup. And I don't know if he he's capable of handling the load as that second running back if Tank Bigsby is not able to get things going. It's just overall... I think, again, you look at the numbers, Auburn's averaging like 175 rushing yards per game. That's not terrible, but it has really continued to decline the, the, the more that conference play has gone on. And you look last weekend, if they didn't have the 57-yard touchdown run by Javarius Johnson, I put run in air quotes there because it, it, was, it was a pass, Auburn didn't eclipse 60 yards rushing, I don't think. Yeah, Auburn last week would have looked like an air raid team if it wasn't for... Javarius Johnson's run. It was it was it, it was abysmal last weekend. It's been abysmal in different games this year. The fact that Auburn was not able to run on Arkansas very well earlier in this season, even though they won that game, was really disappointing for me. Auburn was able to do it against Ole Miss. I think to a two, degree. Two reasons against Ole Miss. Number one, it was at home. Number two, Ole Miss was banged up. So it's just not been a good product from the running game so far this year. And I don't think they were really able to sustain it that well into the second half because Auburn only scored three points yep. in the second half against Ole Miss. The running game, man, not up to Auburn standards. I'm going to say Auburn's talent in the backfield is better than South Carolina, but I go back to the point that I just made. From a production standpoint, the way that I look at football, and this is a little bit more of a statistical, analytical approach, what you're doing on the field has to contribute to the overall victory, right? Yep. When you look at what these backfields are producing, you could argue that South Carolina's backfield is producing more towards the overall victory for them over the last couple of weeks than what Auburn has done out of the backfield. Thus, what I'm saying is you can give more credit to South Carolina's backfield for helping South Carolina win games than Auburn's backfield for helping them win games. Right. Because Auburn's been losing games the last two weeks. But would you put South Carolina, would you give the edge to South Carolina in this game? Running the football? Yes. No way. No way. Because once again, the reality of the situation is this. South Carolina's running backs will wake up on Saturday. They will don a South Carolina uniform and they will play behind the South Carolina offensive line whereas Auburn players will wear their white uniforms and they will play behind the Auburn offensive line. And I think there's just better players in the trenches there that help those guys out. Yep. we got to head to a quick break here. When we come back, we've got more of On the Line breaking down the offenses. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. 
Friday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. We are literally at the midway point of today's show that started back at 1 p.m. Daggum. Hour and a half in. Flying by right now, man. An hour and a half to go. All right, let's do it. And in hour number two, we will have Scott Bagwell, Auburn High Sports Network, play-by-play announcer at 3.30 p.m. Stay tuned for that conversation as we preview tonight's Auburn High football game, semifinals of the 7A state playoffs against the Central Red Devils. Huge game tonight. These two teams playing each other in the semifinals for what seems like the umpteenth billionth year, but that's why it's such a great rivalry game. One of the- I mentioned earlier, I think that it's impressive what Josh Van has been able to do for South Carolina so far this season, even with the lack of offensive talent that they've had. He's kind of been a bright spot, but you look at the amount of guys that Auburn has on roster that don't produce as much as him, but still produce. You've got Demetrius Robertson, you've got Shedrick Jackson, Javarius Johnson. I believe Kobe Hudson is not 100% for this game, or he might be injured, but we'll just have to keep tabs on that. But you've got so many different guys, and then on top of that, you've got three or four different players in the tight end room that you can also look at as legitimate targets. Tyler Fromm, Landon King, Luke Deal, John Samuel Schenker. I mean, you've got all these different options, not to mention Jarquez Hunter and Tank Bigsby, uh, can can catch a football out of the backfield. It is it is possible. Even though Auburn's not done it a ton this season, I'd like to see that become more of a factor in the offense maybe over the course of these final couple of games. And Auburn may have to do that. They may have to check down uh, a little bit. But yeah, overall, I think Auburn's got more depth in the receiver room. I think they've got a little bit more talent in the receiver room. But credit Josh Van for what he's been able to do on a very limited Gamecock offense. Kobe Hudson's receiving grade for Auburn on pro football focus, 81.2. This good. guy is going to be on some lists next year on pro football focus's Twitter account where they're saying this was one of the highest graded returners from last year. You know, when you get into those numbers, he's been so impressive and kind of flying under the radar, I think, in the scope of college football because of how Auburn has been treated in the, na- in the national perspective. But He's done very well. Believe it or not, Elijah Canyon is Auburn's second highest receiving grade on the team, and he's only caught four passes this year. So that's that's one of those where you just don't have the sample size for it to level out. But Jarquez Hunter's up there as well in terms of receiving grade. He's only caught nine passes. But I like what you said there. Auburn's receivers have been really good in some games, and they've been really bad in other games this year. Mm-hmm. But what you know is – there is a depth of targets on this team that extends even beyond just the wide receivers, but also to the tight ends and the running backs. You think back to the game against Ole Miss and 10 different guys caught passes for Auburn, and they're all, when they've played competition on the level of South Carolina or even a little bit better of that in the secondary, they've been able to get open. They've been able to haul in receptions against Texas A&M, Georgia, LSU, defenses that have a higher level of talent on it they have struggled that is not the category that South Carolina falls into here Auburn's just got more options and I think the offense is accentuating those options and these guys have taken a huge leap forward in the second half of the year I think that this is one of the more lopsided position group battles that we're going to look at at least on the offensive side of the football where I can say I have a lot of confidence in Auburn's receivers with the way that they're playing. They haven't burned me in a while. I don't think that they were awesome against Texas A&M, but I don't think really anything was awesome in the Texas A&M <laughs> game. So 
not that I'm giving them a pass, but this is a group that is playing with consistency right now. Yeah, I agree, and I think that's something that we really need to 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 it needs to be made aware that Auburn's receivers have progressed this season under Eric Keesaw, and they are really coming into their own over these past few games. Even though uh, Auburn, the the past two results of these past two games have not been what Auburn's wanted, the receivers are getting better. Are they great? No, but I think if you give them a little bit more time this season I think they're going to produce good things in the iron ball I think they're going to produce good things in the bowl game and you look ahead to next season I mean with some some really talented recruits coming in outside of the receivers that are already on roster I think that you will see a couple of guys transfer out I'm not going to name anybody specific I think you will see a couple of guys transfer out but overall I think the product is going to improve next season Yes, the offensive line is going to be gone next year. Honestly, that might be a good thing for Auburn to just kind of kind of scrap that position and kind of retool with their own recruits. I but think some of them. Sure. Not some, all of them. Some of them. Uh, I, I mean, like so the, the starters. Like everybody's a senior on the line, right? Or have they? No, because Keandre Jones is starting at right guard. Okay, so most of the offensive line is going to be gone next year. But some but of them could return if they wanted to still, because of the COVID year. I think that this offense is going to take – the next step next year in terms of receiver play it's not been great this year it's slowly coming along I think in this game you continue to see see the receivers grow even with TJ Finley playing even though he's a backup quarterback I think you see some good things let's move on to the offensive line I'm with you so far we've given the edge to Auburn and quarterback running back and wide receiver offensive line play Auburn's good on one side bad on the other South Carolina not good it's not good overall and like I mentioned earlier they're one of the worst teams in the SEC in terms of pressure rate they're one of the worst teams in the SEC SEC in terms of sack rate uh we looked at the uh the total sacks and tackles for loss they are 11th in the SEC in sacks allowed per game they are 12 13th excuse me in the SEC in tackles for loss allowed per game this is an offensive line that's been porous this is an offensive line that has allowed a lot of negative plays Putting pressure on Jason Brown and this team is probably not a bad idea. Of course, I think that may frustrate a lot of Auburn fans, me saying that, because they're like, well, that would have been great last weekend against Mississippi State, and Derek Mason didn't throw any sort of pressure at the Bulldogs. This is a different scheme, though. I think you can afford to throw some pressure at these guys because it's not like uh, Josh Fan and their other receivers are just going to be running wide open free downfield. Uh, like Mississippi State's air raid was, I think this is a little bit different. I think you can uh, apply some some pressure to this offensive line. Whereas with Auburn's offensive line, even though T.J. Finley is not, I don't want to call him a statue, but he's he's not very mobile in the pocket. It's close to that. I don't want to be rude. I just uh, he he's close to that. Um, but if he it, was in a different team's uniform. You'd call him a statue. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I compare him to Ben Roethlisberger earlier this he's year. He's a statue. But and shame on you for comparing him to Noodle Arm. Noodle Arm. Uh, TJ Finley actually has an arm, okay? Ben Roethlisberger, his arm's gone. He's just throwing with willpower at this point. Um, <laughs> but I think I think that I think that Auburn's offensive line does hold up a little bit better in this game. Also, South Carolina, not the best in the world at sending pressure. I think but, Auburn will be able to pick up the South Carolina defensive line a lot better than South Carolina's defensive line mm-hmm. will be able to pick up Auburn's. If you'll remember, circa that Ole Miss game when things were still going well, and of course that's two weeks ago, 
So you hope they can rekindle this a bit, but I think you should be able to rekindle this against South Carolina as opposed to Mississippi State or Texas A&M. But Eku Leota was really coming into his own. Derek Hall has been consistent this year. Not a superstar, but consistent. Colby Wooden has been a dominating factor this year on the line. They may not be getting home a ton, but they've been getting home at a fairly consistent rate. They haven't had any just superstar wreckers on the defensive line so South Carolina may not be dealing with a Georgia or a Texas A&M or somebody like that like they faced on their schedule this year that could absolutely destroy them up front but likewise when I compare these offensive lines one of these lines does something well the other one doesn't do anything well regardless of opponent so I like Auburn's ability from a pass protection standpoint even though South Carolina has been fairly good at getting pressure on opponents with Kingsley and Iqbare at the front of it, I think Auburn should be able to pick it up pretty well because they did well against LSU Ole Miss, two of the higher sack getters in the conference on the defensive side of the football. I think Auburn should be able to handle that. Now, will Auburn be able to run the football? It seems to me that that is a, that's a man-in-the-mirror problem for Auburn right now. That's one where it's an Auburn issue, not necessarily an opponent issue. Mm-hmm. So will Auburn be able to run the ball with consistency in this game? We'll have to see, but I imagine that Auburn's been, and you look at the statistics, they'll tell you this, down the stretch, it may not be by much, but Auburn has been the better run-blocking team from a not allowing tackles for loss and from a, you know, just a pure rush yards perspective. Auburn's been better than South Carolina in that category. The offensive line's better. There's more talent there, but from a production standpoint, you also have to look at it and say South Carolina, from a run-blocking perspective, may not be too far behind. Maybe their running game is suffering because nobody respects their passing game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I will say though, just to kind of, kind of re- recap what we're what we're saying about the offensive line. I, I believe that Auburn is more talented than South Carolina in the trenches, and I believe there are a lot of statistics that reflect that we just went over that Auburn is better in the trenches, and they've played. Auburn has either equal or more difficult competition than South Carolina has so far this season. But I will also say I've said similar things uh, heading into the A&M game. I said similar things heading into the Mississippi State game, and we saw how both those games turned out. I, I leave, I'm leaving the door open for just things to just not go Auburn's way for whatever reason. But, again, Auburn looks on paper like they should be better than South Carolina in the trenches. They're better than South Carolina on paper in pretty much any position group we're going to talk about today. But just because that's the truth doesn't mean that Auburn's going to win on Saturday because I think on paper Auburn was better than, like you said, Mississippi State in a lot of categories. I think they at least split the field with A&M. I don't think A&M was overwhelmingly in a lot of different areas better than Auburn, but they played like it in that ball game. And Mississippi State played like it for two and a half quarters, and that was enough to win last week. So once again, like you just said, I don't think that you could go into this saying that Auburn's – it's a foregone conclusion that Auburn's going to win. And I think that would be irresponsible considering you're starting a backup quarterback and a backup kicker. Let's talk about one more offensive position group before we go to break. Tight end – for South Carolina going into the year I rated Nick Muse as a top five tight end in the Southeastern Conference he hasn't produced at the level that South Carolina wanted him to he may have dealt with some injuries this year because he really hasn't been targeted a whole lot Jaheim Bell though 
21 receptions this year, 305 yards, three touchdowns, averaging about 14.5 yards per reception. He's got a 70% reception rate versus his targets. South Carolina, between Nick Muse and Jaheim Bell, averaging about 5.6, 5.8 targets per game at the tight end position. They've got some talent there, I think, at tight end. Who's better? Auburn or South Carolina? I think Auburn is, even though I do respect what Jaheim Bell's been able to do, and obviously Nick Muse has not been playing as well as he did last year this season uh, from a production standpoint. But I think Auburn, it, while those two guys for South Carolina are talented, I think Auburn's got depth at that position as well. Like I mentioned earlier, four different guys we could see catch a pass out of that tight end room. Landon King, Tyler Fromm. Uh, John Samuel Schenker, Luke all, Deal, Luke, Luke Deal, all these different guys. So I think that the depth is certainly there for Auburn. I think the talent is very similar. And but but I also think that Auburn's tight ends probably will get targeted a little bit more in this game as well, and that could lead to more production. The bootlegs for Bo Nix to John Samuel Schenker on the out routes and whatnot. It's those levels passes where you have to go through the progression from high to low, and they're all running the same route, but a different intervals of the field i wonder if that goes away this week because tj finley's game may not be bootlegging out of the pocket it may be staying in the pocket so i wonder how auburn opts to get these tight ends involved i would imagine the way that auburn's going to get these tight ends involved this saturday is going to be from some of those spacing concepts that we've seen at times this year with those tight ends going and sitting in the holes in the zone of the coverage or in the zone coverage i don't know why i said it like that they're going to go and find the hole in the zone coverage, sit in it in the middle of the field, four or five yards down the field, catch, turn, get upfield for another couple of other yards like that. I think that's how these tight ends are going to be used this week. Um, maybe you still see some of the bootlegs for him, but I, I don't know if that's going to be as much of a factor as it was for Bo Nix, which was how Auburn oftentimes got these guys the football, mm-hmm. was on the bootleg action. I don't know if that's how they're going to do it, but – I agree with you. I think from a tight end perspective in this game, Auburn has, like we said with the receivers, more depth of targets. There's four guys who can catch passes, and they're all pretty sure-handed. I haven't seen this group drop too many passes this year. I feel comfortable with any one of these guys when they step out of the field. In fact, I get more and more excited the more tight ends I see on the field when they're in the shotgun. Yeah, Not necessarily when Auburn's about to pack it in a run because I know how difficult it has been for Auburn to run the football. But when Auburn gets into the shotgun and I see two tight ends, I get excited because I know that one of those guys, the football may be coming their way. When Landon King's out on the field in the slot, I'm like, hey, there's future Kyle Pitts. Look at this guy. He's awesome. <laughs> you know, I get, I get pumped when Auburn goes down the depth chart on the tight end road because I think they are a good group of receiving tight ends. Where I was wrong in the preseason, I was very skeptical of this group and how well they were going to be able to catch passes because I was so afraid that Gus Malzahn ruined him. He didn't. This coaching staff unlocked potential that Malzahn was never able to achieve with his tight ends. They have done such a good job this year with this group, so I'm giving the edge to Auburn there. So we've given the edge to Auburn in every single offensive category, which is not a shocker with how bad South Carolina's offense has been this year. But once again, motivation plays a big factor, and will it be enough for Auburn just that they're more talented to be able to win this game? Because I've said this a lot, Tim Tebow quote, Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Yep. Auburn's going to have to work hard on Saturday because South Carolina, that they may not be more talented than folks, but they've been able to say, we're going to outwork you. We'll be back with more of On the Line. Wrapping up hour number one when we come back.
Wrapping up hour number one of On the Line. 2.50 p.m. on your radio dial on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central, Alabama. We're going to wrap up hour number one with Saturday selections. Going to try and get through a chunk of games here before we get to hour number two. That will be riddled with Saturday selections. Here we go. Saturday selections. All right, Lance, let's start in the Big Ten. Big game in the morning. It's the big game all day long. Number seven, Michigan State at number four, Ohio State, 11 a.m. ABC. I'm going to take Ohio State to win this game. Look, I, I really like what Kenneth Walker and Michigan State's been able to do so far this season, but Ohio State is rolling. If you didn't watch the game against Purdue last weekend, it just kind of opened my eyes to the fact that, oh, Ohio State's offense really is clicking, and they really are building momentum. C.J. Stroud has put himself back into the Heisman race, 30 touchdowns, five interceptions on the year. Uh, Travion Henderson, the running back for Ohio State, is having a pretty good year as well uh, outside of just looking at the running backs in this game and just focusing simply on Kenneth Walker. Henderson has over 1,000 yards rushing already this season, 14 touchdowns, uh, is averaging 7.3 yards per carry. I am going to take the Buckeyes at home. I don't know if they cover, but this was something I believe I talked about earlier in uh, in the week. Michigan State's secondary, from a statistical standpoint on the surface, is allowing a lot of passing yards per game, but you look at some of the efficiency numbers, while they may be a little bit better in that department, they are still uh, not up to snuff, and so I think Ohio State definitely takes advantage of the Spartans through the air. Does Michigan State have the tools to take shots and, and, and go blow for blow with the Buckeyes? I don't think so, especially not in Columbus. Michigan State is going to have to control the clock and out physical Ohio State if they want to win this game. It's going to have to be flashbacks to the beginning of the season when Oregon did it, when Minnesota was able to be competitive. I think there's room for that to happen in this game, but at the end of the day, the position matchup that you just pointed out, Ohio State being able to throw the football so well versus Michigan State's secondary, when it comes down to it and Michigan State is needing a possession with points in the clutch, they're not going to be able to get it through the air with Peyton Thorne against the Ohio State defense. I don't believe it. They didn't do it with consistency against Michigan. They were still able to win it. But I still think Michigan's a better team than them when you went back and looked at how that matchup played out in that game. I still don't understand how Michigan blew it. I really don't. I have respect for this Michigan State team. I just don't think they're good enough to beat Ohio State as far as being a complete team. Ohio State's a lot closer to that image the Michigan State is but hey it would be awesome I think if Michigan State won this game I think it would make things really interesting going down the stretch that game at 11 a.m on ABC we're both taking Ohio State number 10 Wake Forest at Clemson look Clemson has been on a little bit of a roll recently they've won three straight but it's again been against Florida State Louisville and UConn Uh, They're at home against a Wake Forest team that knows how to put points on the board. Clemson, on the other hand, does not know how to put points on the board. I think Wake Forest wins this game. I think it's going to be tight, though, because Wake Forest defense is not very good. uh, And Clemson's is. So I think it's going to be a tight game. But I think it's similar to the way that we saw the Pittsburgh game play out. Just too many explosive plays allowed on the back end for Clemson. And Wake Forest is able to go on the road and pull out a close one. In football analytics, there is a terminology, and Pro Football Focus uses this. They may have actually coined it. I'm not 100% sure, but there is a terminology called expected points added. 
You break it down into run, you break it down into pass, and you got two stat categories. It's EPA per run and EPA per pass. You want it to be positive, obviously, because you're trying to add points per these categories, right? Clemson's is negative in the pass category. They are minus 0.16, whereas Wake Forest is at 0.34, a positive category. Most teams are negative in the running category. It's harder to produce so much on the ground without a passing game that would add points to your total, right? Like, because teams can zero in on the run at that point, you can't be one-dimensional in that way. But there are teams that can be one-dimensional throwing the football and still be successful. Clemson's passing game has been so bad this year that it hurts them more than it helps them. I'll take Wake Forest. I think this team can toss the ball around the yard a little bit against that good defense. And I don't know if Clemson's going to be able to keep up when it comes down to it. If Wake Forest can hit 35, I think they win. That may be a challenge because you're right, Clemson's playing better, but I think they're able to get there. Let's do one more game here. Iowa State at number 13, Oklahoma, 11 a.m. Fox. Sting and I have talked about this on air before. It feels like every single time I've picked Ohio State to do something this year, I've been wrong. I hope I'm not wrong this weekend. I'm going to take the Sooners to win at home. Look, they, they're coming off what was a really frustrating loss on the road at Baylor, only scored 14 points in that game. And Iowa State's defense is pretty solid, just like Baylor's. But I think the fact that it's at home and the fact that Iowa State is just not what they were last season, they're also coming off a loss to, to uh, Texas Tech. I'm going to take the Sooners to win this one at home. Three and a half points is the line in favor of the Sooners. I think they cover that as well. It is like night and day difference for Iowa State on a week-to-week basis since that Oklahoma State game. Or actually, since that Kansas State game. They beat Kansas State, who's a good football team. They're 7-3. They beat Oklahoma State, also a good football team. And then since then, it has been back and forth. They only gave up 20-21 and 21 apiece to those two teams that I just mentioned. And then they gave up 38 to a bad West Virginia offense. Held Texas to seven of all teams. And they gave up 41 to Texas Tech last week and lost. I just don't know what to pick here. <laughs> I'll stick with the home team, but man, Iowa State is all over the map, and I could equally see them pulling the upset if they come out there and play like we know they're capable of doing. Hour number two of the show coming up. One more to go here on On the Line. You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. Last hour of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with the on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. One more to go here on the Friday edition of the show. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you. Been in the studio since 1 p.m. As the Max Roundtable went off an hour earlier today as they carry the Troy Trojans. So we've been going on a three-hour show today and it's been a fun show with that. 
And we take you all the way to 4 p.m. with The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. 334-321-1390 is the number to call. And we're going to start off hour number two, breaking down the position group matchups between Auburn and South Carolina. We'll also have Saturday selections through this hour, as well as speaking with Opelika football head coach Eric Speakman coming up in our next segment. We're going to get his thoughts on tonight's matchup, playoff matchup, quarterfinals against Hueytown and the 6A playoffs. Looking forward to that conversation. Stay tuned for that in our next segment. But here we go. Let's break down the position group matchups between Auburn and South Carolina on defense. We've already done the offense. We've given every single category to Auburn. Now will we do the same on defense? Start with the defensive line. I'm going to go with Auburn here. Even though, like I said earlier, I do like the talent that South Carolina does have on their defensive line. I like what Auburn has on the on their defensive line. You look, you mentioned some some of the guys earlier. Colby Wooden, Derek Hall, T.D. Moultrie is going to be playing a half for Auburn, even though he should be playing the entire game. Uh, I think that Auburn just simply has more talent on the defensive line, and I think they produced a little bit better than South Carolina has uh, so far this season as well. Auburn, I believe, is ninth in the SEC in sacks per game, but South Carolina is 11th in the SEC in uh, in sacks per game. So they are uh, they they are sitting slightly underneath Auburn in, in that category. They're also underneath them in tackles for loss as well, and a lot of that has to do with the way the defensive line plays. So I think overall. Talent-wise, I think Auburn's a little bit better. And then statistically, I think Auburn has outperformed them as well. It's very similar to the way that I was talking about the offensive line. You look at the numbers, says Auburn's played better. And then you look at the the talent level, the, the, star, the star rankings for these guys is better. And then you go and watch the actual on-field product, and it's better in that regard as well. So, yeah, I think Auburn's defensive line better than South Carolina's defensive line. I'm taking the Tigers over the Gamecocks in this matchup. Auburn is a vastly better run-stopping defensive line than South Carolina. South Carolina's given up four and a half yards per carry. You don't do that without just getting blown off the ball on a consistent basis. Yep, That's one of the worst in the conference, as you pointed out already. So I think from that perspective, Auburn does that really well. I'm shocked and rather impressed at South Carolina's ability to get after the quarterback. Honestly... They're probably about the same in that category. Would you agree with that? Yeah, like like I like I mentioned a minute ago, Auburn is ninth in the SEC in sacks per game. South Carolina is eleventh, but Auburn's gotten twenty four sacks. South Carolina's gotten twenty one. So they're really they're, not that far apart. They're about the same. They're they're pretty close. But I, I again, I think the talent and the on field product. If you actually watch it, that's what puts it over the edge for me for Auburn. And they're a lot more disruptive. They really are, especially in terms of run stopping. And of course, they've been in the top fifteen, top twenty. In terms of tackles for loss, they've been in for a large part of this year inside the top five in that category. Now, I know that's dropping a little bit since the Texas A&M game, and then last week also, that's hurt Auburn those past two weeks, not being able to get into the backfield. But prior to these last two weeks, Auburn was top five for the majority of the season in tackles for loss per game. You do that by being disruptive. So I like Auburn's defensive line more than South Carolina's defensive line, even though I do believe that that is a strength for South Carolina going into this ballgame. Linebackers, Jacoby McClain, if he even if he was Auburn's only linebacker, Auburn's got the edge here. Yeah, I, oh, linebackers absolutely. I think Auburn has the edge here. Uh, you look at just the, the the plethora of guys that they have: Owen Papo, Zacoby McLean, Chandler Wooten. I believe Romello Height could potentially be coming back for this game as well. So Auburn's got more depth. I think they've got more talent in the starters as well. How's Papo as far as health is concerned? Is he not going going to be healthy for this game? 
If he's not, I think he was nicked up in the last game. If he's not, I'm still taking uh, I'm still taking Chandler Wooten over and Jacoby McLean any yeah. day of the week. I'm taking them over Brad Johnson, Damari Staley for South Carolina any absolutely. day of the week. Any day of the week. Wesley Steiner, Desmond Tisdall, any day of the week. Any day of the week. Auburn's got some depth there. I think we are watching Takeo Spikes, but like 20 pounds lighter in Jacoby McLean right now. And it stinks that this defense, look, statistically, this defense is marginally better than it was last year. Marginally better. They've defended the run a lot better. Passing guards, they are giving up about one yard more per game this year than they were last year. So believe it or not, and from a points allowed per game perspective, they're giving up two less this year than they were last year. So believe it or not, Derek Mason has improved the overall quality of this year's defense as opposed to last year's defense. So there's not a whole lot to stand on there when people are trying to say, oh, this defense is terrible. Now that's a little bit of hyperbole. That's a little bit of an overreaction. Last week was terrible, but I don't think the overall product from this season has been terrible. I think it's actually been better than the overall product from last year. Last year's defense was not good. And so this year, I think they have taken a little bit of a step forward in that area. You look at Auburn's talented linebacker, I can't help but feel like we've wasted it, Lance. It feels like that whenever we had Derek Brown and uh, Marlon Davidson on the defensive line in 2019. It feels like Auburn's gotten talent. It's like defense. your defense should be elite when you have players like this. Yeah, and they've 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 squandered opportunities. Like man, if Jacoby McLean was wearing a crimson uniform. How would the country view Jacoby McLean? They there would be a lot of praise for him for sure. He'd be the Terminator, especially being lined up with Will Anderson. I mean, that would be like a how do you? Everybody would be like, this is one of the best linebacking courts we've ever seen. So like, I just I can't help but get the feeling that Albert has wasted the talent that they've had. Like, I feel like they should have had so much better defenses over the last two or three seasons than what they already had, and Kevin still had some good defenses. But I don't think that they were as good as they should have been with someone like Derek Brown on that front. Should have been a little bit better than that. But let's head to the phone lines now, 334-321-1390. Matt joining us in hour number two. Matt, how's it going today? Doing well, guys. Hey, so you guys are going through each position group and saying who has the edge, South Carolina or Auburn? That's right. Can Auburn have every position group and still not win the game? Is that a possibility? 100 percent and we actually said that in our last segment i would 100 percent leave that door open and here's why tim tebow has a quote and i'm sure other people have said this many a time i don't know if tim tebow is the one who came up with it but i know he says it a lot hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard and if Auburn comes into this game completely unmotivated uh, i could totally see south carolina win this one so i think Auburn's more talented than south carolina across the board by the end of this whole show we're gonna have said that auburn's more talented at every single position group but if Auburn doesn't play well and consider they got a backup kicker and a backup quarterback playing this game, I could totally see him lose. All right. Thanks, Seth. Appreciate it, Matt. That was Matt on the line with us. 334-321-1390. I think he just kind of wanted to make that point, and I don't disagree with him. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're going to get to our final score prediction later on in the show. And I've got Auburn. I've got Auburn winning close, but I, I just I think that there there this is something like you mentioned that we've been talking about throughout the show. There's opportunity for Auburn to be the more talented team, to statistically be the more impressive team, to be the team that is projected to win, and for Auburn to go out and lay an egg on Saturday because we saw it last week. So I, I definitely think that is 100% in the realm of possibility that Auburn goes out and they 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 choke. 
again like they did last week. And I don't mean choke like 28-3 to choke. I mean choke in the fact that you were projected to win this game against a really, uh, a really disappointing a South Carolina football team. Right, on the road by a touchdown, that would be, that would be a choke. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with what Matt said there. If, if Auburn... If Auburn, if they look more talented, if they statistically look more talented, I still don't think that means that they that they are definitively going to win the football game. Last position group here, defensive backfield, and I'll go ahead and start this one off. Auburn's more talented in that defensive backfield, 100%, and I think there's some real quality depth there. I just think they're being misused right now. Yeah, I agree with you. Are you talking about the linebackers secondary? I'm talking about the secondary, secondary. now. Yeah, I, I I will say this. Uh, this is something that if we're going, this is something we didn't talk about at the, at the very beginning of the show. Strengths and weaknesses. Strengths for the South Carolina team: creating turnovers from the secondary. They lead the SEC in interceptions. That's over Alabama. That's over Georgia. Believe it or not, Vanderbilt is actually tied for second, which is really weird to say. Uh, Vanderbilt's getting uh, 1.2 interceptions per contest. South Carolina is getting 1.4. So this goes back to what we were discussing earlier with TJ Finley and decision-making and not making mental mistakes, especially when the pocket collapses. The South Carolina team can turn you over. You know why that may be? Just thinking about how the two worst teams in the conference may be at the top in interceptions. Why is that? I think it's because teams may be willing to risk a little bit more against these two squads. They may be more aggressive. The quarterback may have less respect for the secondary and may feel a little bit more frisky in terms of taking some shots into some tight windows mm-hmm. which at the end of the day you're playing still an sec team they're going to be able to turn you over i don't know i i wouldn't be shocked if tj finley protects the football pretty well in this game because this coaching staff i i figure will try and keep him from throwing interceptions as best as possible from a play calling standpoint uh, defense backfield i just said you know i think they're more talented i just think they're being used incorrectly at this point um they're still only giving up you know 240 pass yards per game which isn't great but i think it is better than south carolina at the end of the day from a talent perspective across the board and it's a little bit more versatile of a group as well this group's better at run stopping i think than their secondary is their safeties can get involved in many different ways as far as uh you know auburn safeties can get involved in different ways like run stopping coming up to the line to come and put some pressure on the opposing quarterback i i think auburn can use their guys in a variety of ways as opposed to what South Carolina's got to do right now. Because South Carolina's got to drop back. If they want to stop the pass, they have to drop a ton of dudes back into coverage if they want to at least be able to contain it. You brought up a point earlier in the show talking about how South Carolina's giving up a lot of chunk play statistically and yards per play allowed. That's because of the secondary. Yeah. Run stopping too, but the secondary's giving up big plays all across the board. And Auburn, to be fair, although they got dink and dunked last week, they really didn't give up any massive plays down the field. And since the Georgia game, how often have we really seen Auburn give up big plays down the field? I don't think I don't think we've seen a massive touchdown down the field since Stetson Bennett's throw. Yeah, I don't think we've seen a massive touchdown. Now we have seen I think we saw it a couple times in the Arkansas game where there would be like twenty to thirty yard passes that were completed, but it was not it was not Stetson Bennett level. Although I will say it's like still like twenty to thirty yard passes and one of them went for a touchdown. That's not good. No. But, but to your point, Auburn's not really allowed that this season, um, at least consistently. They might let you dink and dunk you, but they haven't given up a ton of big plays. Whereas South Carolina's still giving up a ton of big plays. I, I would love to see Auburn go man on man with these guys because I believe firmly, based off the fact that we have just now given every single position group to Auburn over South Carolina, our definitive take on this is that Auburn is vastly more talented than South Carolina. 
My take on this game is that Auburn should say, we're better than you, hat on hat, let's go. And I think if they do that, from a game plan perspective on offense and defense, this thing could get out of hand. Yep. But will they do that? This team has shot away from that this year, I think. Again, like Matt, Matt said, they could be more talented in every single aspect still of the lose. game and still lose because it, we, we discussed it earlier. Desperation is most certainly a factor in this matchup. South Carolina, I think they want to get to a bowl game pretty badly. If they can do it against Auburn instead of having to do it against Clemson, I'm sure they would absolutely take that. And to be honest with you, at this point, with the fact that Auburn is just starting now with their backup quarterback, going to let them play a full 60 minutes, I think Auburn's a little bit more vulnerable than Clemson is right now. So if South Carolina is going to take advantage of getting potentially to a bowl game, it would be in this game, even though they are outmatched and Auburn is more talented. Let's do some Saturday selections now before we get out of this first segment of hour number two. Saturday selections. All right, we've already picked a handful of games. Michigan State, Ohio State, Wake Forest, Clemson, Iowa State, Oklahoma. Let's do a couple more. 2.30 p.m. CBS game, number 21, Arkansas, number 2, Alabama. Six-way tie on the line, man. Be careful. (laughs) Tread lightly. I want to to take Arkansas in this game just simply for the six-way tie and the chaos that would ensue. We all believe it can happen. If you, if you want to pick it with we me, all, I'll pick it. If we all pick Arkansas, it can happen. Do you, do you want to just all pick Arkansas for fun? I will say, though, if we're going to argue for Arkansas here real quick, I mean, you saw what happened with LSU, a team that was de- de- depleted from a starter standpoint, statistically not playing well at all on the defensive side of the ball. Held, it held Alabama to, what, 20 points? And we've seen some bad Arkansas teams push Alabama over the years. Arkansas 7-3 and three right now. What has stopped Alabama in the past? Mobile quarterbacks. K.J. Jefferson, certainly a mobile quarterback, has 474 yards rushing on the year, five touchdowns. You know, I'll pick Arkansas to win the Don't game. Don't do it. I'll pick Arkansas to it. win the game. You know they're not going to win. Yeah, I think I'm going to – I'll take the Razorbacks to win. I didn't think that LSU had a shot to win, especially with the way that their season has collapsed. And it was like, well, how much does, our, uh, does uh, LSU really care about uh, win- winning this football game. Oh, they care. Do you think Arkansas cares about winning this football game, especially with the fact that they think they're they're more talented this season? Absolutely. Sam Pittman, of course they care. So, Do you believe what you're saying? I'm trying to talk myself into it right now. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it for fun, and then on top of that, I really want the six-way tie, which, by the way, SEC Network confirmed, if that does happen, Auburn is going to Atlanta. Oh, the dream is alive. I'm picking Alabama. You, I can't believe you. <laughs> I like pushed you into the safety boat and said, all right, bye. All right, I'll see you later, man. That was like me throwing you overboard and then tossing you the, the life preserver, and that was it. I was like, yeah, but other than that, we're not helping you get back in the boat. I think Alabama's going to win this game. Arkansas is just too one-dimensional. I just don't see how they're going to be able to – I just don't see Alabama teams getting beat by one-dimensional teams. And even when mobile quarterback-led teams beat Alabama, they still were able to keep them honest through the air, right? Auburn was able to do that in 2013 to a degree. 2017, Jared Stidham did it. 2019, Bo Nix had some clutch throws in that game. I think you still need to make the passes. I just don't think Arkansas is going to be able to do that because they haven't done it. Trail on Burke's flex game. That would be awesome. I could see Traylon Burks posing issues for this secondary that's been very roller coaster like this year for Alabama. And not like a kiddie coaster, but I mean like 
high, up and down, loops, things like that. Chaotic. I also don't think that the Arkansas line can put enough pressure on Bryce Young to keep him from throwing from 270 at least. And I think if he hits 270, he wins. I but think, I, I want to believe with you. I think we said that all about a lot of teams Alabama's faced so far this year, though. And I know that LSU has gotten after the quarterback a little bit so far this season. But, I mean, could it happen? It's it a bad happen? O-line. I, I know that they can get pressure on him. I just don't know if it's going to affect him enough to keep Alabama from winning the game. But I want to believe with you. I do. That's why I threw you the life preserver. So maybe Arkansas will maybe Arkansas will pull the upset and we'll be coming back on Monday thinking, it's still on, baby. Yes, he's a championship. Don't, don't <laughs> let me drown in my stupidity, Noah. Oh, I'm going to leave you out there, man. I'm going to leave you out there. We'll be back with more of On the Line. Opelika football head coach Eric Speakman on the other side of this break. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Now joined by Opelika football head coach Eric Speakman with us. Coach, how you doing today? Hey, good. Good. We're still playing, so good to be playing this late in the, in the November and uh, excited about big game tonight. Working into the quarterfinals now against Hueytown. Before we get to this final group of eight teams, I want to take you through the previous two matchups, or I want you to take us through the previous two matchups. Of course, last week, a 28-14 win over Spanish Fort, which was a huge win for the program and lifting you guys up to this quarterfinal matchup. Yeah, big game last week. Uh, I thought the kids played well, and, uh, you know, we felt like we left some points on the board. Uh, you know, we're happy to get out of there with a win, but we had a touchdown call back and a drop touchdown in the end zone, so we felt like we could have even – uh, put up a few more points against a great Spanish Fort team, well coached by uh, Ben Blackman, a good friend of ours. And but yeah, you're right. It was a huge win in the second round against a, a really good opponent. And now we get to move on to the third round. What's the practice been like this week for you guys? Is I'm sure there's got to be a lot of confidence, or at least confidence mounting after two playoff wins already. Yeah, anytime you're playing in the third round, practices are always good. Uh, you know, it's not hard to get kids up this time of year. Uh, ready to practice they're excited about continuing to play and you know we talk every year going into the playoffs that you can't get tired of playing football this time of year uh you know we try to do a good job of getting them on and off the practice field not keeping them out there forever and keeping them exciting that way they continue to want to be out here with us and uh continue to to get better every day at practice and we've had a great week so far of course, the opposition, it's going to be a good football game, to say the least, when you guys take on an 11-1 Hueytown team that finished at the top of their region. When you're looking at these guys on film, what are some of the things that are catching your eye? Well, the biggest thing is that they score, they average 55 points a game. And uh, last week, they scored 49 against McGill-Tulin, which broke their streak of six straight games of scoring over 50 points. And they almost got to 50, so that would have been seven straight games. And uh, they have a dynamic playmaker at, at quarterback, a kid named Earl Woods, who transferred in from Shades Valley last year. And they have a, a big receiver that's going to Coastal Carolina named DeAndre Coleman, who's a really good player, and then a, a really good running back, number six. So they put up a lot of points. Uh, so we'll have to definitely be ready on defense to play. And, and this time of year, we look at, at the opponents and, and what they do on offense. And, and honestly, we try to hold them to half their average. So, you know, our goal every week is to, to hold them to half the average. And so if we can hold them to 24 points, and then we hope that we should be able to score some points on, on their defense and win the game. 
and talking about their defense, I know you're not going to go too far into at all with your game plan or anything like that, but I do see a basketball score on there against Northridge, 75-55. to 55. There's got to be some opportunity there for your offense to flex six muscles. Yeah, you're right. Uh, they, they put a lot of their good players on offense, and uh, defensively, though, they've gotten better in the last couple weeks. They held the McGill uh, Tulin last week to, to 13, and and uh, they played Ufala in the first round. I think they also held them to 13 points. So they've been playing a lot better the last couple weeks and uh, heading into the playoffs on the defensive side, uh, not giving up as many big plays as they did. That that play or that game against Northridge was just a, a game of big plays for both teams, kickoff returns for touchdowns, few punt returns. So you're right, it was basketball on grass. And, uh, you know, but we will get their best tonight uh, when we play them on, on both sides of the ball. Take me through what your offense has looked like in terms of its development down the stretch. Of course, a quarterback change later on in the season. Roman Gagliano playing some good football, and you can begin to see this offense grow. Yeah, we made the change, and uh, I think six weeks ago, and Roman is now six and zero as a starting quarterback, and uh, he's really grown into the offense, and and it allows us to to throw the ball down the field is is the biggest thing that Roman brings to the game. We were trying it early in the year and just weren't completing anything. And, and uh, he brings a, a big arm uh, to, to our offense, and that allows us to, to then run the football. Uh, we rushed for 200, almost 230 yards last week against Spanish Fort and, uh, and really didn't have to throw the ball down the field. Uh, you know, but, but the threat that we have now with Sean Jones and Javante Connor at receiver, uh, and then Caden Cooper is one of our starting running backs. He also plays receiver. So, uh, they, those three guys give us threats down the field with them. That allows us to then run the football, and that's been the biggest change here over the last couple of weeks. What's the key matchup in this ball game with Hueytown? Uh, probably going to have to lean mostly on the offense tonight. You know, this time of year, we always we always talk about the fact that you need to win at least two of the three phases. You know, because because everybody is going to be good. So you're not going to go in and just really completely dominate anybody uh, at this point in time. And uh, so you focus on really just winning at least two of the three. If you can win three of the three, then you're probably you're going to win the football game. Uh, so our our offense versus their defense, we're going to have to win that phase, and then the kicking game. Uh, that's so important this time of year, and we're going to have to make sure that that we do everything right in the kicking game to, to hopefully do that because we're really going to have our hands full trying to slow down a a really good offense. I know earlier this season we were talking really early in the year after you had an eight takeaway performance. Uh, against one of the Montgomery schools. I can't remember exactly which one that was, but as far as forcing turnovers, what role could that play in a game that could turn into a shootout? Yeah, it's huge, and that was that was against Ufala early in the year. Uh, you know, we forced eight against those guys. And in a game like this, when you're playing an offense that is that is so high-powered, you know, uh, Hueytown scoring so many points, if you can get a turnover, that just obviously takes away one of their possessions. And that's the biggest thing is, is you have to make sure their offense is standing over on the sideline watching. And, uh, you know, it's impossible to score unless you have the ball. So uh, we want to make sure that we, we do a good job of making sure that they don't have the ball. And if and when they do, if we can create a turnover and steal a possession, then that, that's even even better for us. Coach, before we let you get out of here, every coach that I talk to at this time of year, they're always saying a variation of the same kind of thing. At some point, there's a last bus ride. At some point, there's a last meal with your teammates. At some point, there's a last game. What's the message that you've been telling your team each and every week through the postseason? 
Yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, we start off uh, every year. We, we uh, took a letter that Jamie Riggs uh, used to use down at T.R. Miller, and it just talks about all those things about, you know, now that you're in the playoffs, that this is, the, you know, this could be the last Thursday practice uh, for your seniors. And, you know, you just want to make the most of it. Uh, and obviously you don't want it to be the last, but it could be. And uh, so you really have to cherish uh, the time that you have to practice. And that's what makes it so much fun as a coach is, is when you win, it's not so much the win, but the fact that, that you get to keep doing this for another week and you get another Monday and Tuesday and, uh, you know, a Thursday night meal with your team and, and those things. And, and obviously a bus ride for us this week. We've been at home the last two weeks and we'll be on the road. Uh, we're on the road this week. So you're right. It's, it's basically just make sure you're enjoying this. Uh, you can't take it lightly, and uh, you got to go out and play hard so you can get to do it again next week. Coach, we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. I hope we're talking about a semifinal playoff matchup next week. Yeah, that'd be great. Hopefully we'll be practicing next Thanksgiving, and we'd be, be very happy to talk to you. I appreciate it, Coach. Good luck. All right, thanks. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. we got about 30 minutes left in the Friday edition of the show. We appreciate Eric Speakman, Opelika football head coach, stopping by to preview what he's got going on tonight against Hueytown. But now we've got Auburn High Sports Network play-by-play announcer Scott Bagwell You've got a semifinal matchup tonight against the Central Red Devils. How you feeling, man? You doing good? Yeah, how are y'all doing? We're doing really well. Of course, this game was inside Duck Sanford Stadium back in the regular season, and now you're headed to Central. I know the road trip's coming up in about 30 minutes or so. What's the vibe like going on the road from this football team? You know, it's at the beginning of the year you say hey Auburn and Central are going to play in the final four you go oh okay like it no surprise it's happened 3 years in a row the question was going to be would it be at home or would it be on the road you know that's what everybody was talking about going into the game um back in early October everybody knew all right great if you win this one but you still got to beat them again um but that means that you would probably get to be at home throughout the playoffs and probably get to be at home for this game or you would be at home for this game. Both teams have been at home throughout the playoffs as as it shook out. So um, it's you know I, I think Auburn um, I think they they'll play better than they did in in game one. Is that going to change the outcome? I don't know. I mean Central's really really good. Their defensive line is really really good. Um, their offense is explosive. They got playmakers everywhere. They do a good job of putting those playmakers in positions that put defenses in binds. They run the ball well. Um, you know, they scored 77 points a week ago. That's – in a playoff game, I mean, that's that's unheard of. It's a really, really good football team. And I know people are going to say, IMG this, that, yada, yada, yada. I understand what IMG was. Having watched Central and IMG, the interior defensive line that I saw from Central was better than IMG's defensive line. Um, now the and because Auburn blocked IMG's defensive line. Now they didn't get to the linebackers and the safeties. Um, but if if Auburn can block the central defensive line like they blocked IMG's defensive line, I think Auburn will have success tonight. I think it's imperative that Auburn has success early. 
And it doesn't mean that Auburn needs to go on a nine-minute drive to start the game for a touchdown. Auburn can't go three and out. I think Auburn needs to get a couple first downs, set up field possession, and, and all that. And if they can get a stop and then have a positive offensive drive, I think I think it's even bigger. Um, you had an, a 60-yard touchdown play for Central on the third play of the game against Auburn in, in the first game. Short field touchdown uh, to make it 14-0. And then it was a defensive slugfest from there. I think this is going to be a defensive battle. Um, I know how good Central's offense is. I just I have a feeling it's going to be a, a defensive game. Now, with that said, watch it be forty-two to thirty-eight now. Um, <laughs> but I just think it's going to be like an old school. It's going to be cold too, an old school, old-fashioned, just smash-mouth football game. Well, you look at Central, and like you mentioned, it's a very explosive offense. They're scoring almost 45 points a game. Like you just mentioned, last time the Tigers and the Red Devils played, it was a defensive affair. Auburn was not able to get much going offensively. You detailed what's going to be important for the Tigers' offense. Defensively, how is Auburn going to contain Central yet again? Do what they do. I mean, I've, I've watched this system that Auburn High runs. Now, it started under defensive coordinator Patrick Plott, and then it's kind of evolved to what it is under Scott Goolsby, and Auburn does what they do. They're going to line up correctly, um, and they're going to attack. Auburn isn't just going to rush four. They're going to bring heat. They're going to bring five. They're going to bring six. They're going to do everything they can to make you throw it because in high school football, if you're able to run the football, it doesn't matter what you do. Um, even the best of high school quarterbacks, you know, if you force them to put it on the money every single time, they normally struggle. We saw Auburn do that. You know, Caleb Nix had some guys open the first time they played, and he just wasn't on. He's been on pretty much since. Uh, he's been very, very good this year. I think it's like 38 touchdowns and six interceptions, something ridiculous. He's been really good this year. But uh, if, if you're having to pick a poison when it comes to football, you always want to stop the run. The question is, is um, defensively, is how does Auburn deal with Carmelo English? He's got 1,000 receiving yards on the year. He, they all, our central lined him up in the slot and uh, was able to get a matchup they liked and just exploited it uh, over and over and over again and got really what they wanted to out of it. And that was the difference in the game. So, how does Auburn adjust to that? I'm excited to see that. How does this offensive line go against the central defensive line? I'm excited to see that. How does Clyde Pittman and these receivers go against the talented, talented secondary in their second opportunities? Because the Auburn offense didn't. They struggled big time. Negative rushing yards because of Saxon the first time these two teams played. And I, it was immediately after the game, it was it was the feeling around the program was Central played better than us that night. But if we get a chance to play the game, we're going to have a different game plan and we feel like we're going to play them better. We'll see how it plays out tonight. I was about to ask you, Caleb Nix, getting any college looks? And I, I, I got I to imagine that he is. Um He's, it's Austin P, Dartmouth, Louisiana Monroe, Sanford, and Troy. That's his offer sheet on 24-7 sports. I mean, and, and I know some people will sniff their nose at that, but I've seen really, really high school quarterbacks go go to those type of places. I mean, last year Auburn's quarterback yeah. already has a start under his no. belt at Jacksonville State and Matthew Caldwell. Yeah, I saw um, – And a, that's a state champion caliber quarterback. I saw a quarterback for Central who was one of the more talented guys I've ever seen that ends up going to Jack State. Things are different, you know, and measurables matter to college coaches. It, it, and I know a lot of people say, well, why is that? Well, because 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", makes things easier than six foot, especially when you're talking about 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", offensive linemen mm -hmm. and the like size on the other side of the, of the field. 
So that's just kind of the way it is. Uh, I think I think Caleb Nix's talent is very high. Um, I feel like he was also been kind of unfairly compared because of his brother. His brother's one of the best quarterbacks in the state history. But, I mean, he's got a chance to win a state championship this year in 7A. And to do it against Auburn and then do it against either Hoover or Thompson if Central were to win, it's a big feather in his cap and, and would and would cap off a fantastic senior year that Nix has had. Seems like the key to this game, I'm not going to ask you the generic cliche, what are the keys to the game? I'll just go ahead and say it. It seems like whoever runs the ball better wins. Yeah, um, Central did it in the first. Auburn didn't. Uh Last year when Auburn won at Central, Central gashed Auburn in the first quarter and a half, and then Auburn had was able to get the run game going and then stop the run game. That's that's how it played out. And in the second time they played, Central couldn't get anything going up front, and, and Auburn did. Um, there's a reason that Alabama and Georgia recruit the way that they do on the offensive line. It is the most important position. If the offensive line is able to move the defensive line and get their backs – four carries before they get touched, you you don't lose those games. You you win those games. Um, so, yeah, I, the line of scrimmage is where this game is going to be won and lost. You know, can Auburn block this very, very good elite defensive line for Central? And can the Auburn defense hold up and, and give this offense time to figure things out and um, I think for Auburn, they're gonna ha- I think they're going to have to hold Central under 24, 21 points to get a win. We're talking about just, just generic things that Auburn and Central have to do in this game to win. But take me through some of the players that we should be watching in this game, some key matchups that we may be looking at. Um, Drew Bobo, EJ Harris on the outside. Uh, they, they're going to have to win one-on-ones. The other thing, though, what makes this Central defensive line so good is their interior linemen. They are very, very good and they force you to leave their defensive ends on one-on-ones, and then those guys are, are elite pass rushers and good luck. So the guards in the center for Auburn, Avery Ferris, Joe Frazier, Eric Patrick, they got to get movement. They got to win up front. Um, and then uh, somebody outside's got to win, you know, Bakari Daly or Cam Etheridge. One of those two has to be able to have a good night. On the defensive side, somebody's got to find a way to create havoc, whether it be a Powell Gordon, Braden Joyner, Brad Harper, Clark Cleveland. Somebody's got to do it. I mean, those are your most likely names. Somebody's got to be able to go in there, and when it's third down and long, make the play, and, and get the central offense off the field. Also, the back four has got to step up. Nasir Pogue, Carson Yancey, they're going to be challenged. This this is a team that wants to run the ball, and then when they're able to run it well, they're going to throw it downfield. Um, the Auburn secondary has got to be up to the task. And I get I just said a bunch of people. It's but, the truth, though. But it's going to take a full team effort. Yep. This isn't like if one guy, if this guy plays well, Auburn's going to win. It's yep. not round one anymore. No. It, it takes the whole village. It, it's going to be everybody. And we saw that two years ago or last year in the Final Four when Auburn played Central. They had great games across the board. And then when they should have beat Thompson, they had great games across the board. You could have looked at three different defensive players who were the best player on the field that night for Auburn High School. Um, so it's going to take a collective team effort. Um, to knock off Central, uh, and and I expect a one of a kind environment tonight. Uh, it stinks last year because of the situation that Auburn High didn't get to host that type of environment. Uh, it was what it was. There were, it was obvious why that was. Um, it was because of COVID and just the sheer number of people that were allowed in the stadium. But it's going to be a packed house tonight. Auburn's going to travel well. Central's going to show up and. You know, they think it's their opportunity to win a second title in four years and go to a, their third 
state championship game in four years and they're thinking about an undefeated perfect season and and proving that they need to be a top 20 top 10 national team this feels like auburn prattville from the late 2000s not saying the results that right. way but it it feels like the same type of storylines going yeah. into it yeah and, and and auburn's hunting for that auburn's hunting for that state championship you know like they should have got it last year auburn was the better team they gave it away in the last 19 seconds um but auburn's trying to figure out how to win that first one and central's looking to establish themselves as one of the premier programs in the state alongside the hoovers and the thompsons and and everything like that and to do it you got to win multiple ones and central feels like this is their year to do it um auburn's trying to right a wrong from last year and to do that they're going to have to go through a very very good central team um i also want to give a shout out to the central to this auburn high school senior class three straight final fours never been done in program history um there's a lot to be said for that especially after last year and what they lost take me through what's going on with basketball my man i know you're assistant coach to the team you've had to do some uh some heavy lifting over the yeah. last couple of weeks. What's going on with the basketball program? 3-0 and after a tip-in win against Dadeville last night. Um, you know, when you when you start the year with three straight home games, you're hoping that it's 3-0. and uh, Played a very, very good Dothan team with some prospects that some people need to keep an eye on. A uh, ninth grader that's about 6'10". Oh, that has man. Auburn and Alabama offers. So, um you know, Ben Russell team full of 10th graders that are only going to get better and a Dadeville team that was very, very quick. So, you know, we were lucky to be 3-0. and Now we, I get to question Coach Brand as we go to a Mountain Brook tournament where our half of the bracket is us who went to the Final Four last year, Spanish Fort, who was a runner-up in 6A, um, and Oak Mountain, who won 7A, and Eufaula, who was in the 6A Final Four as well. So that's, that's Sounds your, like fun. Yeah, that's your half of the bracket. Some Battle for Atlantis High School basketball edition. Yeah, and if you win two of those games, you get to go play Mountain Brook at Mountain Brook's gym. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun. But it's what makes you better. Scott, appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Good luck. Thanks, guys. That was Scott Bagwell, Auburn High Sports Network play-by-play announcer with us on the show. If you want to catch Auburn High football tonight, it's on Wings 94-3, 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock kickoff on the Auburn High Sports Network. We wrap up the show when we come back. Wrapping up the Friday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Big thank you there to Scott Bagwell, Auburn High Sports Network play-by-play announcer for joining us in that last segment. Auburn Central tonight. You can listen to it. Wings, 94-3, 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock kickoff. Listen to it or you're going to miss a great game. Also, if you hit the road and you travel to Phoenix City, as you should be, pack out the stands. They need your support. You can still listen to it. Whip out your phone. Bring some headphones. There you go. Yeah. It's a fun time. It's, it's a fun, fun time. time. You may be a little bit behind due to <laughs> delay and everything from streams, but you know you can listen to an awesome play after you just saw it. I think to, you should do it. Get to relive it in the moment. Yeah. As well as you can go and check out the, uh, you know, say, say that tonight's a big win for the Tigers. You can go and find it on apple podcast look up the auburn high sports network you can go and listen to game replay so that's a good way to go and check that out we got about six minutes left in the show here until the drive with bill cameron and dan peck we're going to wrap up here with saturday selections saturday selections okay where we left off is i left lance drowning in the sea <laughs> i'm gonna i'm not gonna say stupidity like you said i'm gonna say wistfulness you're wishing and i get it that game they're referring to is Arkansas-Alabama. 
All right, here we go. I'm going to do some wistful thinking. SMU upsets number five, Cincinnati, 2.30 p.m. ESPN. You're picking SMU. Let's roll with it. Why not? Let's get weird. They can score better than Tulane, USF, all those teams. Can they play defense as good as those teams? Look, I just feel like just chunking one out there. At some point, Cincinnati has to lose, right? Like, that team's not going to finish undefeated, are they? Uh, You know, I think they win this weekend. I think they're able to find a way to be undefeated heading into their title game. Now, do they beat Houston? I don't know. SMU, really talented football team, 8-2 and two on the year. They've beaten, I believe they beat TCU earlier in the they year. They did. Uh, they're coming off a huge win against UCF, but you look at their their lo- two losses before that. They lost to Memphis. They lost to Houston. Close games in both of those matchups. I think Cincinnati is is better than Memphis, and the fact that it's at home uh, for, for uh, the Bearcats is really important as well. If this was at SMU, I would really have to think about it hard. But because it's at home and SMU's already lost their two other important road games this season to Houston and Memphis. Yeah, means they're due. Uh, uh, well, true, <laughs> true. But I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Cincinnati to to win this game. All right, moving on to another game here on our slate. Virginia at number 18, Pittsburgh, 2.30 p.m. ESPN2. Oh, this should be just a fantastic duel of quarterbacks, right, between Brennan Armstrong and Kenny Pickett. Should be a lot of offense in this game. I want to uh, – I, I like Virginia this year, man. Like, I, as, as an Auburn fan, I don't care about Virginia athletics outside of their basketball program. I hope they lose in basketball, but I don't pull, pull against them – uh, in any other sport. Yeah, I'm going to take Pittsburgh to win it at home in this game, though. Like I said, I think it's going to be an offensive uh, explosion in this matchup. I think Brennan Armstrong, Kenny Pickett, going to have a lot of fun dissecting each other's defenses. But at the end of the day, I feel more comfortable taking the home team. That's essentially what it comes down to. It's going to be a shootout. And the team that I like more on the defensive side of the football is Pittsburgh. So give me the Panthers to win that game. Florida at Missouri, 3 p.m. SEC Network. Ooh, this one is tough. This gonna have to go quick uh missouri give me missouri and i think that uh dan mullen is uh is going to be it's going to be closer to dan mullen uh being on his way out in gainesville i think that people are going to overreact and he will be let go missouri can score yeah that's why i'm taking the tigers at home 3 p.m sec network number 11 baylor at kansas state 4 30 p.m fs1 Ooh, this is a good one baylor's on the road kansas state's favored by a point Give me Baylor on the road, but I don't feel great about it. This is a really solid Kansas State team. Skylar Thompson is a good quarterback. but They're Baylor, on a four-game win streak. But Baylor is a really talented squad. They play really sound defense. We got to see that against Oklahoma this past weekend. They're playing hot. Yeah, give me the Bears on the road. Man, the Big 12's having a renaissance with defense. Iowa State's got a decent defense. West Virginia, that's what they do. Oklahoma State, Baylor at giving up 19.9. Kansas State, 21.1. I wouldn't be shocked if this thing finishes like 28-21, something like that. I'm feeling upset here. Manhattan, Kansas, ending the Baylor Big 12 championship hopes. Even Wildcats at home. Number three, Oregon, at number 23, Utah, 6.30 p.m. ABC. Do it. Utah's favored by three. Yeah, give me Utah at home. Utes! You've seen time and time again, if you manage to stay up late enough to watch Oregon play football, you will realize that they are not an incredibly talented football team. You see their past two games specifically against Washington and Washington State. Those were relatively close matchups, and I know that Washington State scored 38-24 to final score there. 
at home. If you're the number three team in the nation, you beat them by more than that. And also it was closer than the score indicates, I feel like. So so give me give me the Utes on the road. They're seven and three right now. They're back in the top twenty-five. They've won three straight. Yeah. They're in the driver's seat for their division. Utah at home. Give it to me. I want to, but I can't. I think this kind of does favor Oregon a little bit from a matchup perspective. Oregon runs the ball really well. Utah's given up about 140 a game. That, I think, will be magnified out a little bit, but I do think it's going to be a fun game. And I think Oregon's just a tad bit more talented from the recruiting standpoint. Number nine, Oklahoma State at Texas Tech, 7 p.m. Fox. Oklahoma, Quick one on this one. Oklahoma State. Not even thinking about it. Really? Yeah. I like it. I like the defense. I think Oklahoma State's a little bit better than their ranking suggests, which is at number nine. All right, last game here. Auburn at South Carolina, 6 p.m. ESPN. Score prediction as well. I really thought that earlier in the earlier this week I was going to pick South Carolina to win this game. I'll go Auburn 19, South Carolina 17 in this one. I think it's going to be a close affair. I think the desperation from South Carolina really shines through in this matchup, but I'm going to take Auburn's talent to win on the road. I think TJ Finley in his first career start for the Tigers is able to get it done. I'm going to take Auburn 31 to 13. All right. I think we're going to be excited about TJ Finley after this game. I think this coaching staff is going to try and make some things easier on him, and he's going to look pretty good. And folks are going to be like, folks are going to say, no, not not quarterback controversy, because I don't think it's going to be an awesome performance, but I think it's going to be good enough to where we're like, all right, we can build off of this. Not that he's going to be flawless or anything, but we're going to be like, hey, those are some good things. Good performance, man. And then the Alabama game will be not optimal, I think. And then it'll be right back like we want Bonex, you know, but... I think he's going to do well, and I think it's going to give some optimism for folks in the future. We'll be back with you on Monday. You know where to find us.